0: IVM. You are listening to The Signal Daily. Brought to you by Front Page Studios. If you've ever planned to study abroad, the UK was definitely that one country on your list. In fact, many Indian students aim to study and settle abroad, and the UK seems to be a hotspot. For example, six years ago, the University of East London, or UEL, was home to only a few hundred Indian students. Fast forward to 2022, and that number skyrocketed to over 6,000 students, which is about one-fourth of the total student population. In fact, Universities all across Britain have witnessed a surge in applications from countries like India and Nigeria. Between 2017 and 2021, there was a six-fold increase in the number of Indians starting new courses in the UK. Interestingly, visa data also suggests that India has surpassed China as the leading sender of foreign students to Britain. Now, you might be wondering, what sparked this rise in Indian students studying in the UK? One of the most significant factors was a change in visa rules in 2019. The government restored a scheme that allows foreigners to stay and work in the country for two years after graduating. Students utilize these years to find employers who can sponsor their long-term visas or earn enough money to pay off their debts. It's a win-win situation as it also helps alleviate labor shortages in certain industries. Now, financially speaking, this influx of international students has also been a boon for UK universities. Foreign students pay higher fees than local students, accounting for nearly one-fifth of university income. This, in turn, helps keep tuition fees in England stable, despite the inflation. Interestingly, in subjects like business and management, there are around 10 postgraduates from overseas for every native British student. But hold on. Not everything is all sunshines and rainbows. In May, the government announced that most foreign postgraduates would no longer be allowed to bring their spouses or children with them. This decision affects the approximately 40,000 dependents who joined the 140,000 Indian students already in the country. Some are reading this policy change as a message that Britain may no longer be as welcoming as it once was. There's another concern worth mentioning. A report in The Economist points out that the experience of migrant students often rely on persuasive recruiters. Sometimes, they find that living in Britain comes with a high price tag, especially when it comes to housing costs. Additionally, some students have voiced their disappointment over the excessive amount of online instruction still being offered even three years after the start of the pandemic. The article notes that British universities must ensure that they don't shortchange their international students. While the supply of eager recruits may not dry up soon, the global competition for these students is becoming increasingly intense. According to Amit Tiwari from the Indian National Students Association UK, studying at home is becoming an ever more tempting option. After all, India has come a long way in the past decade. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Farheen Khan and this is the Deep Dive for 20th June 2023. A few days ago, Rare Beauty, a beauty brand founded by American singer Selena Gomez, made its way to India and created a bit of a frenzy among makeup enthusiasts. According to a report in The Hindu, rare beauty products were launched online at midnight, but due to heavy traffic, the website soon crashed. To people's dismay, most products were sold out by the time the website could be restored. Reportedly, the brand's viral-tinted lip oil went out of stock, and I'm not making this up, within 15 minutes. Yes, you heard that right, 15 minutes. Rare beauty is not the first of its kind, though. Many global beauty brands and conglomerates have been eyeing India's exploding beauty market. For example, in 2019, American skincare brand Paula's Choice opened its shop in India. Next year, Murad, a clinical skincare brand, followed suit. K-Brand Beauty CosRX, in partnership with Nykaa, was also launched the same year, and more brands are on the way. For one. Japanese beauty giant Shiseido-owned Nars Cosmetics will see its India launch in the second half of this year. Meanwhile, e-commerce giant Amazon will be selling more than 60 international brands like Makeup Revolution, Pharmacy and Shopa in its recently launched global beauty store. For that matter, Ambani-owned Reliance, which also forayed into the business of beauty retail with Tira recently, has signed the trio of Kareena Kapoor, Kiara Advani and Sohana Khan as its brand ambassadors. Then, there are global beauty behemoths which are investing in homegrown beauty brands. For instance, Estee Lauder set up a beauty brands incubator in India last August in partnership with Nykaa. Earlier this year, L'Oreal Group, the world's biggest personal care conglomerate, said it was investing in consumer-focused VC fund DSG Consumer Partners. DSG has investments in beauty brands such as haircare brand Arata and of the cone skincare brand 82E. Well, it looks like everybody is keen to have a share in India's beauty market. This brings us to the question, why? Why is suddenly everybody, be it the old conglomerates or the new startups or the established e-commerce platforms, interested in cashing in on India's premium and luxury beauty market? Well, before we analyze the factors one by one, here is some data to put things into perspective. The market for skincare and makeup is increasing. According to Euromonitor International, a London-based market research company, India's beauty market has grown by almost 27% from 2018 to be worth $15.6 billion in 2022 and is predicted to reach $17.4 billion by 2025. Clearly, Indians are willing to spend on makeup. And this can be attributed to several factors. One is digital penetration. With expanding access to the internet, more and more women from tier 2 and tier 3 cities are coming online. And as a result, the share of women online shoppers is increasing. This is the segment the beauty brands want to tap onto. Mass beauty brands in India have a rich history, led by brands from Hindustan Unilever and the L'Oreal Group. And just a fun fact, the Kajal Pencil continues to be the best-selling makeup item in the country. But the penetration of beauty and personal care consumption is still comparatively low in India. According to a report by brokerage firm Jefferies, Indians spend as little as $15 a year on beauty and personal care compared to the Chinese who spend over $50 and the Americans who spend over $1,200. However. This consumer segment has rapidly shifted online in the last decade, with the rise of e-commerce portals like Nika and others like Flipkart-owned Mintra, Reliance, Tata, and Amazon joining the fray. Of this, Jeffries expects the premium segment is expected to grow at 16% compounded annually until 2026, much higher than the mass beauty business. India's affluent, largely urban shoppers are exposed to international beauty and makeup brands but aren't getting them easily back in the country. This is especially true for consumers in tier 2 and tier 3 cities who only began buying higher priced beauty and personal care goods in their hometowns once they became available online. Now, brands are also pushing into offline retail with an eye on this segment of consumers. Naika recently told investors. That 30 to 40% of its premium brand sales happen in their stores. Meanwhile, ShopperStop is aggressively scaling up its SS Beauty format of beauty stores that retails expensive makeup and skincare from Clinique, MAC, and more. But now, as they max out the market opportunity in China, these global giants are banking on India to binge on luxury beauty and provide them with their next leg of growth. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at signal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written and researched by Anup and Charmika edited and produced by Shorburi and Soumya Gupta, mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are the Signal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter.